0: Welcome to the Ed Milet Show.
1: Welcome back to Max Out with Ed Milet. I'm fired up about today's program, everybody. I have an all time great with me here today. He's been on my list that I wanted to have on the program, and just the universe put us together today. The Lord is good with us, man. So you can tell who I'm sitting next to. He really doesn't need any introduction. This is the most dangerous man in the world, four time heavyweight champion the first person ever inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, one of the greatest fighters, one of the greatest athletes, and now becoming one of the great businessmen of all time right here. I have Ken Shamrock with me. Thank you, brother, for being here.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate it, thank you. And whenever anybody says a list, yeah. my, I'm like, uh, is that a good thing or a bad <laughs> it's,
1: thing? It's a good list, that's your good list. <laughs> right. We're gonna stick with the good list. Today. You're on the list. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good list. We got the good one going today. So I'm fired up to be here with you, man. Thank and uh, you. I've been an admirer of yours for a long time. So thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, man, yeah. thank you. It's
1: gonna be a good conversation. So you got, you're diving into the business world. You've obviously dominated sports, but I wanna go back because our, our, we were talking prior, sort of our, um, our upbringings and our lives are a little bit similar in some regards. So everybody sees the success that you've had and you've dominated in sports, now you're gonna do that in business too. You've been doing that in business. But you didn't start out in like a perfect universe, a perfect world. Your upbringing was not like bubble gums and rainbows necessarily, right? And I want people to hear this because a lot of people listen to my program don't come from perfect families. Don't come from what they think is like the ideal environment in their life, too. And yours wasn't ideal, right? Well, so. it's,
0: it's um, you know, we see this all the time. And so, I mean, you have, too. I mean, yeah. because this is the people that you work with. Yeah. I mean, so there's, a, there's that small percentage of where, you know, you get a guy who reaches the level in sports or in business and they had a good upbringing in a family and, you know, went to college, to Yale, and, you yeah. know, and they, they just kept going up. Right. But most of the time, man, majority of the time, when you see something like that Mm. uh, a success somebody who's made it to the top yeah when you see something like that most of the time you're going to see somewhere in their life or in their path where there's been some severe adversity yeah and so i believe that to me that's almost like a training course uh, if you make it through that adversity in your life depending on how severe it is Mm. if you make it through that then there's mm. nothing you can't accomplish in life from that point. Mm. Because you have just gone through something mm. uh, in most people's lives that would not be able to get up from that. Mm. And, uh, and, and speaking a little bit about my, yeah. my upbringing, that's kind of where I was, except mine lasted a little bit longer from the time I was born
1: yeah.
0: um, till I was you know, really 13, 14 years old. And I, of course then, even though I was doing better, yeah. I was in a group home. Uh, yeah. The group home actually, turned my life around, I really started going in that right direction, and then of course got a, adopted at the age of 18 years old by Bob Shamrock, but...
1: So you didn't grow up, uh, let's go back there, for, you know that I, you, we've talked, you know yeah. that I worked in a group home as well, so right. I have a, more familiarity than some people that do with that, but you end up leaving, your, your mom had you, but you ended up in a group home at one point, right? Yes. And so does this man, Mr. Shamrock, did he own or run that group home at that time, and how old were you when you went into it?
0: Yeah, and um, I was 10 years old, went into oh, juvenile hall, okay. got stabbed, uh, you, th- on robbery. You
1: got stabbed yeah. when you were 10 years old, right? I, in a robbery, like that's that's not everyone's normal story.
0: But I think anybody that comes from the ghetto or comes from that kind of world where that area they live in yeah. is really, maybe even drug infested, prostitution, yep. Yep. abuse, all that stuff, and it's usually in these these different areas uh, where there's low in poverty. Yeah. And, and, and that's where I was at. It was in you know in Georgia mm. where I was actually uh, brought up at. And it the environment for people who are in middle class or upper class can't understand what children are capable of doing to each other, to each other, or yeah. even what they're capable of doing for themselves. Mm. Because in the in that world, mm. to have a five year old kid going to kindergarten, walking by himself, mm. getting into fights. Mm. And, and, and stealing, even at five years old. Yeah. Um, it's almost impossible for people to understand yeah. that a five-year-old kid could be left home alone yeah. or to walk to school alone. Yeah. But I, I promise you this, and anybody that has come from these areas will, will yeah. truly understand what I'm saying, yeah. that either as a kid you have the ability to survive or mm. die. Mm. And there are kids like myself who choose to not let anybody Mm. Take over their lives. Even mm. at a young age, I had the the will to win. Yeah. And whether it was uh, you know in a fight mm. or in, in in a conversation with another yeah. kid, yeah. You know I was the dominant one.
1: Were you born like that, or you developed it because of that environment? You think? I
0: think it was the environment. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean I don't know. Maybe I had yeah. something there, yeah. but. But I do believe because the environment you, there was there was either live or or not live. Do you remember going to the group home?
1: Do you remember the first day?
0: Yeah, I, like I said is at five years old, you know boom, I did that in yeah. Georgia. my mom married somebody, my mm. biological mother. Married somebody, moved to Napa, California.
1: Oh man, you moved from Georgia to Napa.
0: And this, when I talked about yeah. from the, the the ghetto. Oh my God. <laughs> to middle class, <laughs> Yeah, right? that's
1: totally, did Is you that, have an accent from Georgia? Brother, I
0: went to, the first day of school, right? <laughs> uh, I walk into the first day of school, it was, Na- it was uh, um, Pueblo Vista. Yeah. Napa, California. I'm going to school. Oh my God. I'm 10 years old. Yeah. I go into school, I walk differently, I talk of differently, course. and I definitely acted differently. Yeah. <laughs> first day of school. You know how kids are, they're yeah. usually pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, I don't know anybody, so I'm kind of leaning up against the wall, I yeah. have this attitude. Yeah. Well, these these one kid, I remember his name, his name is Bruce. You remember and his name? I do, <laughs> I know his last name, but I'm not gonna call him out. Yeah. And so there was about four guys standing around him. Mean, he was kind of the tough kid in, in that school, oh, a, in kindergarten, or not <laughs> kindergarten, 10th uh, grade. Yeah. So as I'm standing there, I'm leaning against the wall, I see all these guys circle up and they're starting to kind of start pointing at me and Mm. and Bruce wants to point at me and start talking all of a sudden now my my antennas go up because where I grew up at I see it happening yeah so all of a sudden I'm, I'm looking down I'm not making eye contact they start walking towards me and I'm looking and there's four of them and as they're walking up I first thing I go is okay and I'm 10 years old I go, I'm taking that one out, taking that one out, and then that one. Because there's like four of them, and I'm already planning oh, to knock these dudes and out. They because they've never I know experienced it's coming. a cat like you. Dude, it's like, you old. Know, most yeah. parents are 10
1: years old? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I was
0: already planning for yeah. it, you are already
1: high miles. Yeah. I'm back against the wall. So
0: they walk up, and I remember the first thing that somebody said, which didn't happen where I came from, they started talking. Mm. And they started going, man, what do you, what do you think you are? You know, what you think you're tough, and all these other things they're saying. And I'm thinking in my head. It's like, are they gonna, are they fighting me? They want to fight me? Cause like, where I came from, you didn't even know what was coming. Yeah, right, right. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure it out it. Are they calling me? Are you guys, you guys, I didn't say it, but yeah. in my mind, you guys want to fight? Or, are we gonna fight or are, not? We, are we becoming friends here? Or what? <laughs> and then I heard the thing come out of his mouth, and he goes, I tell you what, hmm. behind the gym oh. at three o'clock, we're gonna fight. Oh. And I was like, cause I, I, was confused. and The minute he said fight, I went.
1: You He laid him out right there. Or I laid
0: him out right there because as I was like, fight, right? Like, yeah, cool. Now I know what we're doing. And so then I turned to look at the other ones and they ran.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: And then I was like, okay, I know this is not the neighborhood I grew up in. That's so awesome. I look at him, he's on the ground, and I thought to myself, oh. as he was as he was talking, I remember thinking, I was sitting in the principal's office and I'm thinking did he just invite me to a fight? <laughs> he said three o'clock behind us, what, I'm gonna ring the dinner bell? Like, <laughs> hey, well, better yet, why don't I let you get more of your friends, so I walk back behind the gym at three o'clock, I can get jumped by 10
1: guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible, dude. That's incredible. So. What a huge mistake to call you out by Bruce, by the way. We won't say his last name. <laughs> well, right? he, he, like he, he didn't said, know said, I was 10 years old.
0: Nobody knew who I was. I came from nowhere.
1: That's crazy, though. You go from, like, the hood of Georgia to Napa. I mean, what a gigantic change. That had to be unreal. So you have this group home. Mr. Shamrock own it or run it? Like, what, what's the, is that, is that the story? Or
0: Yeah, I went, uh, like I said, I got stabbed, strong arm robbery. I got put into juvenile hall at 10 years old. Um, I went to probably seven different placements, and I failed them all, fighting, you know, run away, yep. living in cars. And so I was 13 years old by the time that I okay. got uh, interviewed by uh, Bob Shamrock, okay. who owned the Shamrock Boys Home. Okay. And uh, I remember um, when he interviewed me, you know, it was like, you know, whatever. But my probation officer came up to me and he said, if you don't pass this home, he says, you're going to go to California Youth Authority which, and that's a kid's prison, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember, and this is where sometimes we're, where you look back on a hindsight, you, yeah. you think about how these probation officers were ignorant mm. because what they were doing is basically telling me that, hey, uh, if you don't pass this, I'm gonna go put you in this California Youth Authority and we're gonna give you three square meals and a cot. And all my friends were already there, so I'd be hanging out with my buddies. So oh my it wasn't God. really even a threat, right? Wow. So I'm thinking, you're threatening me? right? there's not much of a threat. Wow. But, but it, going to that home, my intentions was not to go there and stay there. My intentions was I was going to mm-hmm. go there, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we drive up there with two other kids, and um, we get to this home, and we walk in this door. First, we drive up to it, It was this beautiful home, and I was like, we're not in the right place. Mm. So we walk in the door, and it's got open-beam ceilings, and it's yeah. got this pool table. It's got video games, big fireplace, 18 feet open-beam ceilings, and it was yeah. a million-dollar home. Wow. I was like... Why are you staying here? Right? I mean, most people are going, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Well, you talk about a kid that comes from the ghetto, yeah. comes from, you know, surviving on his own. Yeah. When you walk into a place like that, something's wrong. Really? Right, you don't yes. feel comfortable there. This okay. is not your environment. Wow. So when I walked in and I'm like, dude, I, this is weird. Wow. So Bob Schammer comes and introduces himself to us, which was also weird. And he took the probation officer, which all the other homes that I went to we were dropped off with some kid that was a leader in the house. They took us away, and they okay. sat down with the, the house owner or whoever it was. They talked to the probation officer. Okay. Well, Bob Shamrock did something different. He brought us in, sat us down at this bar, which had ice cream, Coke, and peanuts. It was like a, 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 an area for kids, right, where you could sit at the bar, drink sodas, and different things like that. So mm. it was really, really way out, right? And yeah. We just kind of figuring out, like, what, what did I do to get here? Yeah, right. So, he sits us down, and he tells the probation officer, um, if you want, come in here, and they had a cook. Um, Her name was Elizabeth. You could sit down, Elizabeth, get you some coffee and some cookies, you know, and and, uh, I'll be with you in a minute. So, he comes over and sits next to us, and he gets the files. And I remember he raised the files up, and he said, this is what you have done. This is in your past. Boom, puts it down. Oh, boy. And he says, you got a new start. Wow. He said... You have a chance to, to start all over if you choose to. That isn't important anymore. Wow. But he says, I want to make something really clear. Mm-hmm. He said, Ken, you have a violent problem. You get into fights. You're, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's your record. Mm-hmm. You know, the other two had drug problems. Okay. So Ken, if you go into town on the weekend and uh, you go out and you drink a beer, mm-hmm. you know, maybe smoke a joint, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, Yeah, you're gonna get in trouble, Mm. but not as severe as you two. Because Mm. if you two go out and do that, that's your problem, Mm. that is your devil. Mm. And I'm gonna make you dig a pool out during the winter time Mm. and you're gonna work your tail off. Mm. Now, Ken, if you go into town and get into a fight, you're gonna be digging that pool during the winter time. So Mm. right then and there, it was already different because when we went to the other homes, they put us into these homes and we were numbers. Yeah. You were like number four or number five, or you were in room such and such, yeah. or room this, red, blue, whatever. Mm-hmm. But no one really had a name. No one really had a file. Mm-hmm. No one took anybody in their own perspective of who they were as a person and what their issues were. That's crazy. That's so
1: powerful though, man, because like, just thinking when you said it, like everyone even listen to this, you got a file, right. right? Where you are in your life, right? Yep. That's your past. You can set that file down and start, start over. over. Brother, that is so freaking huge for everyone to hear that. Right? Yep. Was he the first, I'm just curious, because. Was he the first, like, mentor for you, like, positive guy? Finally, you find this,
0: man, what a blessing, right? Like, Absolutely. He was, a, he was the kind of guy that um, at first I didn't trust. Because he was too good a guy or what? Yes. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was, like, in the house. Like, I mean, yeah. you, you come from all this, you, yeah. usually you're going to bad places. Yeah. Well, this was like Disneyland for, for a lot of us, right? yeah. And so going there and, and with the way that some of the things that happened to me as a kid, um, I'd never been hugged. Like, not even by my mother. I'd never been, I don't know what, I didn't know what a hug was, unless it was somebody trying to take advantage of me, right? So anything that was physical like that was like, hey, hey, whoa, Yeah. you know, I'm older now, that ain't happening. Yeah. You know, so when, and he was that kind of guy where he was a very uh, touchy person and a huggable person and a lovable person. Mm -hmm. So when when we were sitting there at that bar and we got done talking, um, he went to hug, he hugged the other guys Mm -hmm. and he went to hug me and I was like, yeah. Yeah, you know, I ain't doing that.
1: 13, you know? never been
0: hugged? Never. Oh, my no, God. No, I didn't man. understand what it was. Whew. You know? It's
1: really amazing. I can picture you. Like, as you tell that, you're such a good storyteller, bro. Like. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, the thing is, with stories, I can though, it. it's like um, they happened. Yeah. It's like I can bring myself back there and put myself in those times. I think everyone can see it, though. Like. Yeah, it was almost like you know, you talk about it and you get those chills and stuff, and mm-hmm. you're thinking, man, those are some bad times. Yeah. But but because I I do these things right, like I yeah. talk about them, yeah. that it, and it's a therapy. Yeah. That it's not it, it's not a demon to me anymore. It's something that happened to me, but it's not who I am. Doesn't own you, right? And I think that all comes from being able to, you know, be able to share it yeah. with other people who may have even gone through the same stuff mm. and understand, listen, man, that does not have to define your life. You don't have to let that define your life.
1: I wonder if you realize how, like, and I know you do it at other places, obviously, a lot, too. I wonder if you realize, like, the impact that makes, man, on people's, like, your legacy, fighting just gave you the platform, right? Your legacy is probably not all the titles and the belts and all that other stuff. Your legacy is going to be this, like, literally, man, like thousands and millions of people hearing this and going, man, I can do this too. Like I can change my life. Like that's, I just, I can picture you there. It draws my mind. So you go there, cause we got to get to, we got to get to your fighting and where you are now too. Cause I want a five hour show with you. <laughs> I really do. I, I do. love it. I would love that. But you, so how do you start? Where's so you already were fighting. But you weren't fighting fighting, right? I mean you weren't skilled. I wasn't getting paid. You were getting paid. Well maybe I was because I was
0: stealing money after I beat him up, (laughs) so maybe (laughs) Yeah, that
1: probably ain't exactly right. Yeah, but I It's not necessarily a prize (laughs) fight. (laughs) That's a prize fight. You just take your prize. (laughs) So when do you start? Like you're so this Shamrock man, obviously you carry his name now. This is a life altering human in your life. Right? I mean, no question about it. And so so, what, does, did, did he have a fighting background? Like, did you end up, by living with him, you end up getting into the, the mixed martial arts or fighting or grappling or, or wrestling, or what is it, what happened?
0: No, I think it was more of the way he was as a personality. Okay. We, we had, it was this big house. In the, and in the front room, yeah. it was, people would always wrestle. Okay. Right, And he would always grab us and throw us and stuff us under the fireplace because we had a ledge over the fireplace. Okay. And he'd shove us under there and punch us in the gut, you know, yeah. and, and just wrestle and, and just play around all the time like that. And so for, for a kid growing up like that, you, you almost start like, this is pretty cool, right? Yeah. So then it leads into the wrestling. And I was very violent anyways. Yes. So I needed a channel to, to, to vent in. And so yep. for me, it was football and wrestling. Okay. But Were really, you a great athlete? I, I was definitely yeah. um, blessed with some athletic ability, yeah, 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 and along with the aggression to go with it, which is a pretty good combination.
1: I read a I read a thing from him that said he, you were the best athlete he had ever seen. Yes, right. So you are you're being even humble now. Like you're an extraordinarily gifted and intense athlete, right?
0: Yeah, my my father and a lot of other people that I've. Uh, have have um, practiced and trained for yeah. uh, have definitely given me some pretty high compliments.
1: Yeah, well obviously you end up being one of the greats of all time at something. There had to be something there originally, yeah, right? right? How do you become you? I'm just curious. Like, So you go from there. How do you become this guy like like everybody, in, especially in my generation, when I think of the UFC, there's like three or four people that I think of. For me, the top of my list is you just because we look alike or whatever, right? It's like <laughs> well, I literally like always, it was you. So yeah, how well, do you, we
0: connect too. So yeah, I, we, I noticed we that connect. right away. <laughs> yeah, we just we
1: connect, man. Like so, but like there's Gracie, there's you, but like all time great fights, like all these dudes, like Dom Cruz was on my show, Dominic was, like all these guys making all this money now, owe it to you, your generation of guys, right? You guys built that company, you built the brand, you built the sport. And so how'd you become you? Like how'd it happen? Like you go from, you're you get terrible for the first 13 years upbringing, right? <laughs> terrible in that it was rough. It yeah. ended up serving you. You meet this mentor, you're there. Take me from some point in that to where, oh my God, you're fighting for, how do you end up fighting for the heavyweight championship of the UFC? How do you get there?
0: Well, it's a long road traveled, you know, like uh, didn't have an education because I was in a group home all the way till I was 13, in and out of placements, I didn't go to school. Okay. So when I went to high school, I was, didn't, I couldn't read, I couldn't uh, do addition, so I went into special ed, and being in special ed created problems because people said, hey, that kid's in special ed, isn't he doesn't. Oh so there was gosh. that. So because I was a great athlete, a lot of that stuff I got away with. Nobody messed with me, nobody yeah. teased me. Yeah. Um, and so I was a great athlete, so people wanted to help me. Mm. And I, 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 I grasped onto that early on where people uh, because I was a good football player and I was a good wrestler mm. that coaches and teachers wanted to help me. Mm. So I gravitated. I understood that like, hey, the sports could do something for me. Yeah. Like, like these people mm. want to help me. I'm getting extra attention because I'm good at something. Yeah. So then I started becoming better at it. I started working at it and I started going to school. I started learning. Mm. By the time I graduated my senior year, I graduated all mainstream courses. No way. Went into college, played two years of college. Uh, but I broke my neck. What you play in college? Year. What's
1: that? We put what you play for? Linebacker, linebacker, linebacker,
0: fullback. Okay. My senior year. Now this is another journey, like okay. that, that, another obstacle, which has been a lot of them. My my 17 years, one month away from my 18th birthday. I was wrestling. I qualified for state uh, wrestling, and um, I was practicing. And of course, during this time, they don't have the whole team there. You know, it's yeah. it's the postseason. So. <clears throat> the freshmen weren't there to tape the mats together. And so they just rolled the mats out and there were all these mats that pushed together. So I'm in there practicing because I was the only one that qualified at the time. And there was this bigger kid who weighed about, you know, 180 pounds. And I was wrestling 185, one, yeah, 185 at that time. And in okay. in Nevada, because I was on the border there, it was 175. Okay. So I was wrestling both those classes. But in the state, I was wrestling 180, 185. Okay. So I had this other kid in there who was a bigger kid and because uh, I was... 15 pounds light, yeah. but I was just so
1: strong. Huge difference though.
0: So I'm yeah. shooting on the guy and I'm picking him up and I got him up in the air and I'm spinning him like a helicopter in the coach, which is his name is Mike Paul. Mm. Screams up, you better take him down, stop playing around you're gonna do walls, which is a conditioning yeah. drill. So I went to step up, uh, take him down and I slipped. The map and move? I fell. Mm. Now when I slipped and fell, I had him on me, and I sat like into the Indian position. And he, when he landed on me, he pushed my head oh like God. almost all the way down mm. to my belly button. Yeah. And what happened was, it took Ooh. my spine and it stretched it. And then when it stretched it, and it came back up again, oh it God. went bang, oh smashed all my cartilages and broke my neck. My, seven, my se- seventeen years old, I had all this promise. Oh my gosh. Everything was going in the right direction. I had a family. Mm. Uh, it was. I was privileged. Felt yeah. privileged. Yeah. I'm going to college. I had all these these offers, and all of a sudden, I broke my neck. I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. I broke it, and I was like, I didn't think anything of it. I know they scooped me up, put this clamped underneath me, put a board on top of me, oh picked me god. up off the ground, put me in the ambulance, took me to a Redding, California, which was almost two and a half, three hours from where we were at. Oh my god. Um, and uh, and that's where they actually found out that I had broke my neck. Oh my gosh. Cut me through my neck here, did bone chip, fused my neck, never play sports again. Doc says you will never play contact sports again. You
1: fused your neck then? Yeah. And you end up going on to do all this other stuff? Yeah, that yeah, yeah, No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. Okay. Told never
0: play sports, never play a contact sport again. Oh, my God. And I remembered at that, that moment.
1: Of course sick. you're not supposed to play a contact sport. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Yeah. I'm laying in bed, in a hospital bed when I'm told this, and my dad is there. Bob Shamrock, who who wasn't, I wasn't adopted yet, but he was my dad. Yeah. I was like, I was broken. I'm like, I don't, that's not gonna happen. Mm. That's not gonna happen. I remember my father said to me, he goes, do you think that God has brought you this far and given you this much success Mm. to leave you now? He says, You have a purpose mm. in life. The journey you have traveled means something. Mm. What you do at this point is up to you, son. Oh God. He said, But mm. if you're going to lay down and pout, now Mom, I'm laying in bed with a broken neck. Oh my God. He's being aggressive with me. If yeah. you lay down and pout, it is over. Wow. But if you rise to the occasion mm. and use this as a tool, mm. oh you will succeed. And I remember sitting there going, man, you're right. Wow. You're absolutely right. right. Did mm. it doesn't end here. There's wow. no way this is over. There's no way I came this far mm-hmm. and for it to stop now. Wow. Now, he didn't know what I was thinking. Hmm. Of course, in my mind, I was like, there's no way I'm going to stop playing football. There's no way I'm going to stop doing mm-hmm. what I want to do contact-wise. Mm-hmm. There's no way that that this is going to end now. Mm-hmm. My, my dad just told me that, no, it can't end now. God has a purpose for me. Now, my dad was saying basically that to motivate me to get up and recover from this yeah, and move on in life with and something else. Yeah, yeah. So I had this halo on with these bars and stuff. I have holes in my head.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> they used a torque wrench to tighten the bolts down. I oh <laughs> was like going into a mechanic shop. Oh, my gosh. So... I go through this for about six months with the halo on. I was in the hospital for a couple months, six months of halo on. I had built my body up to 170 pounds. I was mm-hmm. actually at 160, I was benching 320. Oh my God. So I was really strong, worked up to about 170 benching pounds. Benching
1: double your body weight.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, I was strong. Yeah. And so I get to this point to where Um, I built all this up, I broke my neck, I was in this halo. I was Mm. down to 130 pounds. I looked sick, like I had AIDS. Yeah, Yeah. horrible. And uh, I remember getting out of the hospital and I was, I wasn't depressed.
1: You were not. No,
0: I was like, okay, it begins now.
1: Oh my gosh, brother.
0: It begins now. And I remember I spent hours in the gym, nighttime, Mm. because we had the the Mm. gym at the home. Yeah. And I was out there at nighttime with the light on after Mm. everybody was in bed and I was lifting. Mm. And then the next day in the morning time, I would get up and I would lift again. Mm. And then most of the day, I was fixing meals and eating and trying Mm. to put my weight back on. Mm. And then I would go out and run. And this was like during the summertime. Mm. And I tried to build myself back up again. And by the time I, I, uh, it was about, I think it took six months for me to put, 170, I went bigger, 175 pounds in six months mm. from the time I broke my neck to the time I started working out again. Oh my God. I put that weight on. A year and a half later, I had to go to the doctor. I had to ask him to sign a waiver or a release form so I could go and play college football. Oh. Now, all the schools wouldn't touch me. It was yeah. like I had to play. Yeah. So I had to go and walk on to a school. It was a Shasta College. <clears throat> and I remember I had to go to the doctors in order to play football, so, so he would sign Just a release to, to say that he wasn't responsible. Yeah. I knew all the risks.
1: you end up in a wheelchair. And then I had to go yeah. into
0: the college and do the same thing. It was like, listen, I know what I'm doing. I'm signing off. Wow. And if it happens, it's on me. Wow. I did that. Walked in. I was All-American oh linebacker. God. First year I redshirted. Second year All-American. Third year All-American. What? How yep. come I don't know this part of your story? No, nobody really
1: talks about it. Dude, that's huge. Yeah. Like, that's like dif- this is a pattern, though, with you, man. Yeah. Like, you need to rewind this last six minutes. <laughs> like, that's bananas. <laughs> that conversation while you're laying there, are you freaking yeah. kidding me? And then you with a damn halo put on 40 freaking pounds? That's yeah. nuts. Yep. But yep. so but what it is is like, there's this been this freak switch in you for a long time, then, right? So you're a freak when you'd fight was a kid, but then like they say, uh, no more contact sports. There's just this freak, and there's like, no, I'm gonna. Right. Boom. And you just do it that's
0: bananas yeah yeah so it and that doesn't like i said if we we, if we had hours to talk about it would be great but i went through so many adversities times that that was one of them then there was a divorce that my father went through and i Mm. thought i was going to be sent back because i thought the home would get shut down so it was a lot of that stuff that went on too with that part of it and and him telling me listen i'm going to finish what i started nobody's going anywhere so it was like man Oh, the house was lifted off me. I was like, I'm doing something now, right? It's not mm. gonna end. Mm. And then there, you know, I went through a divorce, you yeah. know, and, and I had kids and it was tough. And so went through that stuff and, and I broke my neck again later on in 2001. I had to, uh, in 2012, I actually had it, um, they had to redo it and that's when the brackets went in. So there, there was a constant um, um, adversity, but when adversity hit me, this is how I dealt with adversity. It was like, yeah, there it is, right? Mm-hmm. But that, it's just there. Mm. But it isn't an obstacle to me. Mm. It's just there, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Mm. And mm. you imagine
1: people need to hear that.
0: Yeah, but even in fighting, it's like when, when I tell people, like, "Hey, I broke my neck." You're yeah. like, "Shut up." Yeah, yeah. You broke it. Well, No. He's yeah. like, yeah. "Yeah, no, I did." Well, you, but and you, you fought you after fight. the
1: second neck break. Yeah. Tell I mean, them real quick. You're telling me before yeah. we get on. Well, tell them the crap that's in your body. <laughs> like right now, after all this, like, <laughs> what's in your body? Describe some of the stuff. Listen to this, listen to, and this man's been fighting with many of these things in his body for years, (laughs) okay? So, no, but listen, here's what you think. Well, I got this against me. This person's not rooting for me. My mom doesn't think I should do the business I'm in, you know, everyone's against me, I'm broke. Okay, that's against you, right? This man's won championships with these things in his body from time to time, (laughs) tell him.
0: Titanium knee, (laughs) titanium ball in my shoulder, one through seven in my neck, titanium brackets where it was broke, lower back, one through four titanium oh brackets God, in the lower on, back man. from a fractured back and of course i've had you know the hand there multiple i had screws in there for a while multiple breaks concussions yeah. i so, got holes in my head from the the halo that i had on so, <laughs> so what the hell i is, tell people i don't mean to interrupt you, but no, i tell no. people when i shave my head yeah and because there's a big hole in my head there's one on each Something side of the right there's one right there actually i front. see But there's two in the back here that got, they're like deep holes, like crevices, right? So when I had my head shaved, uh, there there would be people coming be and "Do what are the holes in your head? So I got shot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've been stabbed, so it's like completely (laughs) believable. Are you all hearing this story? Like, when you hear the behind the scenes of what made a change, like, what the heck could your excuse possibly be? You're in a combat sport with these injuries, right? It's bananas to me. Let's talk about combat sport for a second. So when you fight, just because he's fought all over the world and all the different sort of uh venues the different uh uh, groups the different everything you've been all over the world fighting right I mean obviously I'm just curious like when you're fight night I'm just curious like because you've had all this adversity take them in this minute like do you this basic stuff I always wanted to know right about guys who fight like to me there's something unique about a man who's willing to walk in and confront another man okay I think that's special I think it, those are very few humans on earth. I respect all the guys in that game. Just the, the admiration I have for a man willing to confront another man and there's nobody else in there with you, right? That's, that's an experience very few people can relate to, that you can relate to literally hundreds of times all over the world in some pretty scary places and for not a lot of money, <laughs> right. right? A lot of times too, right? You went in there to fight. Are you scared? Do you get scared? Have you been, in a, have you been walking in going, I'm, I'm, I have fear about this particular man, or this particular fight, or that experience, and if you did, how do you deal with it, or do you not?
0: Yeah, you know.
1: Isn't that interesting? Yeah, People wanna know that. Yeah,
0: because fear is not something that has ever entered into my mindset, okay. except for when I am not prepared. Mm-hmm. When I am prepared, there's just like the adversity, where they had brackets on my neck, or I broke my neck, or my knee went out. Those were just, they were there, I knew they were there, mm-hmm. but that's, that's over. Mm. Right, that's over, now it's time for me to do what I want to do. Okay. So it's not a, it's not a thought mm. to me. Mm. There's no thought.
1: So you don't, so your preparation uh, I don't is think your company. About it.
0: I don't think about that at all. I just okay. I, You're
1: standing there, they're calling your name out. Most dangerous man in the world, four uh, time this. You're bouncing up and down, right? What's oh, going yeah, on in man, your head right my there? My thing
0: is is like I'm going through my training, I'm going okay. through the process, the stuff I did, the the thing that he's going to probably do, my mm-hmm. counter to that, this and that, going in there. I look in, standing there, I look across the ring, I bulldog boom, right in their eyes, The first thing I lock onto them, because that's going to tell me who they are going into this fight, whether they're going to be game or not game. If they're not game, I'm coming after them. If they are game, then I stick to my strategy or whatever, however I train, mm-hmm. and then I go after them. Mm-hmm. When I first started fighting, mm-hmm. my thought process was when I locked in there and I went in there, I wanted to kill them. Yeah. I wanted to break them down, I wanted to make them beg. Mm -hmm. because of where I came from. This was my opportunity to become successful, and this man is in my way, Mm. and I'm going to take him out, and he's going to remember me for the rest of his life. Oh, my God. So good. (laughs)
1: Both of those things, like...
0: Right? Yeah, like right yeah. now.
1: But like both of those things, look at even the other guys in here, right? Like <laughs> both of those things apply in other stuff though. I just want to say this. Like all this stuff about preparation, I'm going to dial in, I'm going to adjust. I'm going to, What they're going to do, I'm going to do. That's a sales call by the way of business. Right. That's a phone call. Not the same thing. whole lot more oh, pressure when there's another man. There's more pressure right. when there's, I right. pr- right. promise right. you brother, give yourself credit. Right. There's more pressure when there's another dude in there who can do you bodily harm. Right? There's do well, want to lock him yeah. down
0: on this. So check this out yeah. though. Listen yeah. to this for a minute. And not so much me because I've already experienced it and I've yeah. done it. But do you realize that most fighters are more afraid of standing up in front of an audience yeah. rather than walking into the ring and yeah. fighting?
1: That's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> true. that's true. They piss themselves when they go walk into it. <laughs> there's all those people around. They're like, yeah. Yeah. They're,
0: they're, they're going yeah. walk into the ring and fighting for the thousands you're of right. people, but they you're can't right. hold a microphone yeah. and to tell people what they did. Which,
1: by the way, you're unique at because you're excellent at both of those things, right? Like, you're good at both of those yeah. things. But, no, you're right. Everyone has their fear that they face. But I'm curious, too, like, I want to ask you about one more thing in terms of being in the ring. Because you've won some huge fights. You've lost some huge fights, right? Yeah. Like, you've, you've won more than you've lost. That's yeah. why you're who you are. You've won most of them. I got old. Well, yeah. Father time, you know, yeah, can't really you can't be father time. But do you, there's been a time, I, I'm curious, can you think of a time where you were in a fight, because this is what people are thinking about in business or in their marriage or in whatever it is, right? Was there a time where you're in a fight where you were tempted to tap, you were tempted to give in, and you didn't? Like, is there, is there a moment of, consideration there that overwhelms you and was there a time where you just refused to I mean I'm sure there's environments where you just physically can't someone's going to snap your leg in half right or whatever but is there a is there there's there's got to be a moment in a lot of fights where you're like or are you just reacting was there a moment where you're like I don't know how much more of this I can take I'm fatigued I've got nothing like how do you fight through that when that happens when you're just like your your body is almost no longer willing. It's I guess it's your spirit or your desire that overrides it. What happens there?
0: Yeah, I've never I've never had the experience of being in a moment where I, wa- I didn't want to continue. Mm. Um, even when I was fighting Tito and I was yeah. getting my butt handed to me because mm-hmm. you know obviously there was a big age gap there. And yep. I had some injuries and all the things, but he was a great fighter in his prime, yeah. and I was a great fighter out of my prime. Mm. So when I went in to fight him. There was some battles in there, but I, there was no, there was ever, never a thought in my mind. Even when he was pummeling me, mm. thought in my mind where well, I was gonna gonna tap out or get out of this. right. Because it's it's a mindset when I go in for a fight. The mindset is I'm here, mm. and I'm not going anywhere, mm. and, the, and he's not gonna make me go anywhere. So mm. however it ends, it ends. Mm. But I would have to say more in that business sense of 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 a fear factor of whether or not you feel like you've put everything into it and yeah. you got you just can't make another call because you yeah. just had too many shutdowns or you just don't want to keep you know you cut yourself short because yeah. there's been it there hasn't been so much success yeah or maybe you're tired you're working too long whatever whatever mm-hmm. your your thing is yeah. when you feel like you just can't do another thing yeah. but you haven't had enough success to stop yet mm-hmm. i would have to say for me and i equate that to to something that i've experienced and mm is and i use in business is preparation yeah you know for me when i'm prepared there's nothing i can't accomplish Mm. there's Mm. absolutely nothing that i cannot accomplish when i'm not prepared whether it's due to an injury me too and i wasn't able to train as hard as i needed to train and be Mm -hmm. prepared as well as much as i need to or whether it was even father time knowing that i just didn't have what it took yeah but i still went in and fought yeah And i still did it put in the training that i had to put in the best Mm. i could without injuring myself
1: yeah okay
0: what i say to that is 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 that i keep pushing until i can't push anymore Mm. i don't stop until i can't do anymore Mm. and that means that my eyes have to be closed that means like i can't do anything because i'm not conscious
1: wow that's unreal
0: and i feel like in business and moving into business i got to keep that same mentality yeah i got to keep pushing keep meeting people keep driving Don't take no for an answer. Don't let people discourage me. Don't tell people I can't, like I did earlier in life where people said, you're not gonna do this, you're Mm -hmm. not gonna do that. You know, because there are those people that are going to discourage you. There's gonna be those people who are gonna say, hey, you can't do it. Why? Because they're trying to, to do the same things you're doing And it's a struggle. It's a battle because it still is a fight. It's a fight in business to reach a level and everybody's trying to get there. You don't think the guy next to you is struggling for the same position you're struggling for? Isn't going to try to tell you something to derail you? To try to maybe shake you off just a little bit? Mm, mm. I mean, it's it's all the same thing. It's all a fight. But it's a mindset when you go into it that you refuse to lose
1: yeah you're going to uh, destroy a business brother I can't just <laughs> I'm watching this I'm just like this is a lay down like because and you've already been destroying a business but like the way you can articulate thoughts like I, there's very few people in your space very few athletes there's a few but there are very few athletes who can translate thought to words like you do I Thank think you. a little of that brother and let's talk about this one thing then we're going to tr- transition into business completely Here's a little thought I had. I think one of your first exposures to the business side of even sports was when you went into the WWE because it's a business. Yeah. I think, and I think it also helped probably improve your articulation and your communication. I'm
0: right? exactly right. Okay,
1: so many of you may not know this, but so Ken was this unbelievable fighter. Then he was part of what you call the WWE now, but it was WWF then, right? Right. right? They
0: can't make up their mind. They can't make up their mind, <laughs> right? But
1: it be, it's then he went into the business sort of of fighting and of entertainment as well. And that requires articulation, that requires marketing, right? It requires showmanship. It requires, because my theory, we we're just talking about this now, business a lot today is about getting attention. Absolutely. Getting attention. And you got to get attention to be a marquee product and name in the WWE. Just real quick, how did that experience, what did that teach you? What did you learn from that experience being there that you could share with everybody too? That transition part of your career in the well, middle. I'll
0: tell you, the biggest thing it did for me yeah. was when, um, I went back into MMA after I had had my experience in yes. pro wrestling. Before that, there was no points. There were nobody was getting anything on the the back end of pay per view. Okay. Right. So here I was standing there, and I had already gone through this with the agent in the, in the pro wrestling, and I was always involved. Um, that I was getting pay per view buy rates. Mm-hmm. I was getting points off that, and I was mm-hmm. also getting um, you know merchandise. Uh... And so I started to learn how. A big business worked
1: monetized and
0: it. ufc hadn't been a big business until you know you know the Fertitas took it over and yes. really built it up into a big business yeah but prior to that it hadn't been really so there wasn't points coming off pay-per-view people weren't getting anything mm. uh, off the merchandise so here i was in pro wrestling and i was learning how this big business thing worked mm. and then when i went back into um ufc yeah. Uh, the first thing I did was tell the, my agent that I want points. There you go. They were like, dude, they don't give points. Yeah. And I said, well, let me, well, that's when me and Dana had a, a conversation <laughs> and, <laughs> and we were talking, way. I was actually out by the pool and he approached me, and he said, hey man, you know, i love to yeah. have you come play. I said, dude, i love to, you know? Yeah. And uh, I said, uh, you know, I want this. And he says, well, man, we just don't have the money for that. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was leading him, I was leading him, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, hey, no problem. I says, but um, how about we do this? I said, mm-hmm. um, you know we do so much over this over that number um yeah. i get this mm. and um, he looked at me and i said and he he'd never broken this number mm. you know so he felt pretty safe like okay yeah. i get a guarantee of this much yeah All and the i get so much over this yeah yeah, yeah, right? yeah yeah over the over the pay-per-view buys yeah and he said okay mm. and so we went there and and um we almost doubled no kidding that number no it was kidding. the first time that they had ever gotten that high because no. I came back and actually fought and literally me and Tito yeah. we literally blew oh, it yeah. up
1: blew it up yeah. yeah do you think the guys fighting now have an idea of where their history is do you think they know that some and by the way they still don't make what I think they should make right. relative to some of the boxers right but do you think those guys have an appreciation that it was sort of you and a few of these guys that broke that mold over time. Do you do they tell you that or do they not know their history most of them?
0: I think some of them do yeah. and then some of them are so locked in. I mean, I would probably be one of those guys that wouldn't look back at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that recognition may come in after yeah. they get done fighting yeah. because really and I don't take yeah. any offense to that yeah. because I know when a fighter's locked in yeah. and they're trying to achieve certain goals yeah. that all these other things going on outside in the world is blocked out. Gotcha. You know, so a lot of times, like these guys will be fighting, and they, and it almost and seems tough. like they're rude or disrespectful, yep. but they're not. I know. Yep. They're just locked in, yep. and they got a goal to achieve, yep. and and don't 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 feel like you're not being liked or anything like yep. that. These guys are just locked in, yep. and a lot of and to fans. Yeah. Um. When you see a guy like that, yep. you know sometimes some people are more personable and a little bit easier yep. in their environment. Some of them are just locked in, and they got to achieve this goal. And yep. sometimes, you know, when you get into that. Tunnel. If you get into that tunnel, they're, yeah. they're not going to—they're not going to—they're not going to react very yeah, well. Yeah,
1: no, you're right. I talk even with the fighters that I work with. I'm like, look, every amount of energy you expand outside that tunnel is wasted energy. Right. So, where well, they are, you know, glad handing with you—that's energy they've put there that could have been in that focus. So, let's talk about business now for a second. You're, you're blowing this up already. I like some of the ideas you have about what you're going to do too. And so, first off, just be real clear—you need to be following this guy on Instagram, right? So they can find you. Is it under your name? Like, where do they find you on social media first of all, so they know where to get you?
0: Well, at, at, at kinshamrock.com Okay. is my website is that
1: the big place you want them to go to find you y- yes and okay. our podcast okay course, yeah so. so what's the name of the podcast is
0: dangerous
1: okay so these are two big places then also he's growing his social media following too so we'll put some links on there but you can all get right to him so you're getting access because you're not talking about just an athlete here you can tell you're talking about a motivator an inspirer a guy with great business sense I think somebody who could be a great brand endorser like you've already been, someone who obviously I'd have come in and speak. We're gonna do some speaking stuff yeah. together like we've talked about. But talk a little bit about some of the ideas you've got in business that you're focusing on right now because your heart is really to serve people. Like, I think you're a giving dude. I think we to talk about your faith at the end a little bit if you don't mind. We'll just touch yeah, on absolutely. that one topic. But, but I do, um, it seems to me like you really care about these athletes, right? in their career and out of their career too. And you want to help elevate all these entrepreneurs too. There's this world of entrepreneurs that could benefit from the attention athletes could bring them, some of the strategies, like it is not, it's crazy that for free, somebody right now is in the mind of a world champion. One of the few people that have ever walked the earth that repetitively won championships in a sport right? The first ever Hall of Famer in that sport, they can get access to you. Yep. Here they get it for free, but if they want to get immersion with you, they want to partner with you, they want to get in your environment, that's a different story altogether. Right. So what are you doing with that stuff?
0: Well, I tell you, we, we've uh, my, best, my business partner, Des Woodruff and myself, have, and he's really helped me yeah. almost mature into the world. Like I said, I'm a baby in this thing, and, yes. but it's exciting to me, so I'm going to yep. learn fast because yep. it, I do like it. Yep. So as uh, we we you know, we went through a lot of these different trials and stuff, and trying to figure out what direction to go, where we wanted to kind of put our mm-hmm. energy into. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, obviously, we got into a podcast, which gave us a great platform. We got this thing called Lions Cage, which people get on there and do like kind of like the Shark Tank, but it's on a podcast, and they pitch ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, we poke holes in it. And, and eventually, if there's a, a a pretty good match there, we think that this thing has definitely got some potential. Then we we basically go to them and we we. Put, we build in a strategic partnership. What a with great them. idea! Because What's it what, called? So they can hear this, so they might have an idea. It's, uh, it's actually uh, it's it's our podcast. and It's okay. called Lions Cage. Okay,
1: so it's so part of the podcast. Absolutely,
0: you can go on there, wow, and, and very we, cool. we, we and when you go on the podcast, you can see the part where it says Lions Cage okay. on there. that's a great And you can idea. submit some of the ideas and okay. stuff like that. So okay. that's been really big for us okay. to really help us grow into the business world. Yeah. But the other thing too is, is that we started a while back, and we're not ready for it yet, okay. uh, because we, it, me and me and Des have to. To build this mold, we're still building the mold mm. and working through these different situations, making sure that um, we work out any of the kinks or any of the problems that we may see first before we okay. go to these celebrities and these athletes Smart. and say, "Hey, you know, we got yeah. this and this." But yep. what it is is celebrity and entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Okay. It's the celebrity and entrepreneur three. Okay, that's the that's the website, celebrity entrepreneur three. Okay, and what it is is the celebrity. It's the entrepreneur, and then there's the business, which is the three. Wow. So we put that together, and um, what it is is really, we had watched uh, several times and hearing things about how athletes have gone in, and they've been very successful, and they've made a lot of money, but then when they stop, you know, doing what they do, they keep living the same lifestyle, but they don't have the ability to be able to try to monetize yeah. their their fan base that's their, right. their popularity you got it and so what we tried to do is go you know what we were already doing that and i thought well, how come we can't do that with them i've literally said that yeah that's like well, but how come we can't do that with them yeah and he goes you, you know what we can hmm. so he started working on it. he came up with the ce3 and started putting the great together. idea and um
1: i want to help you with that i'm telling you yeah. this
0: thing right here uh, will change the world. Yeah. It won't, agents won't be happy about right, it. Right, right, because right. Because what it is doing is imagine this if you had an entrepreneur instead of an agent. Now, an agent basically manages everything that's already done, contracts, money yeah. coming in, make sure you're getting what you're supposed to get, yeah. right, they do all that. Yeah. But an entrepreneur goes out there and creates different business opportunities mm. for you. Mm. So let's say you're still fighting, right, mm. and you're at the top of your game, you're mm. popular. So then you're not go out and go, hey, go over to Ford or Budweiser, somebody say, hey, we want to do a commercial for you, mm. we don't want any money. Yeah. But hey, man, how about a sliver of uh, some of the equity ownership? Yeah. So instead, because they're already getting a lump sum of cash, yes. right, with yes. their fights. Yes. So why don't we start now building in a retirement fund for them? That's brilliant. Saying, hey, guess what? We're not going to give you the lump sum of money, but we're going to get you, make you a business owner yep. with multiple businesses. Yeah. While you're fighting, all you got to do is cut a promo. Yeah,
1: the great idea is they can't spend that either.
0: Right, right. it it's comes Exactly. in, residual income yep. comes in, and you can put that money away. And they don't yep. even really need that right now because yep. they're, they're making money off their fight. Yeah. And imagine having that in place on your team That's instead of man. an agent, or maybe even an agent and an entrepreneur. Yeah. So that entrepreneur is really going out and just locking down businesses for you uh, that you're getting equity ownership of yeah. that you you really don't even need it this time, but because you're popular and yep. because you have that fame, you're able to go out there and knock down a couple commercials and grab equity ownership of a company that needs advertising.
1: That's a wonderful idea, man. So you're, you have all this giftedness that you, it's obvious to you, but it, you know, or it's not obvious to you. You don't know that it's a giftedness. There's not very many athletes ever who think like you're thinking. Well, thank right? you. No, it's true. And what you're doing is going to serve a lot of them who don't think that way, right? Like, yes. I, I think those yeah. of you that are watching this, like, you got to see this. Like, you've got access into the mindset now of like a world champion, but you also can see like. From the business perspective you can see where this guy's going you're going to follow his stuff you're going to stay connected with him and engage with him because i don't even think this is the end of what you're doing no i think it's going to go all these different directions as you and i partner and we get these other collaborations going too so
0: well it's just like my mindset and your i could see it's your mindset too and a lot of successful people and i say this many times is that when you're born and people get to a certain point in their life Say someone wants to be a baseball player, a football player, or basketball yeah. player, and they make it, and they get to a, you know, 30 years old, and someone yeah. stands, turns around, the, the athlete goes, "Hey, I made it." Yeah. And I look at it, "We mean, made it." It's like, how long do you think you want to live for? <laughs> right. Like, you got making 60 it more years, years man. from the time that you're born to the time you put in the ground. That's right. Is like, that's right. You, you know, and I think that's where the problem is with a lot of these guys is they get to that point and they say they made it, yep, and they just kind of stop, and you're then right. all of a sudden the money runs out and they. Now they have to reboot it, but they don't have the same ability as they used to have.
1: Yeah, but what you've done though, is their identity is athlete, and when athlete ends, they don't know who they are. Whereas, what you've done is you've taken your identity from athlete to businessman. I've watched stuff in your faith. I've watched how you give to people, your ability to communicate. You never just stayed athlete, right? right. You had different identities. Real quick, because we're running out of a little bit of time. I'm just curious. I don't even know the answer to this. Has faith played any role in your career or your life for you? And is that something that you lean on, don't lean on? What, what would you tell me about that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, when I was 10 years old and I was going through all those issues, mm-hmm. I remember um, I was in between a group home and I was at home and I didn't want to be there. So, my. My my biological mother at the time had had gotten saved, mm. and so she wanted asked if I wanted to go to church, mm. and of course I wouldn't want to go, but I mm. didn't want to stay home mm. where where there was a lot of issues mm. going on there. So I went with her just mm. to the church, and I was going to make fun of them, right? Yeah. I was I was ten years old this time, and so here I'm walking into this 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 church, and I'm going into the this kids program. Mm. She goes into the big church, and I remember I was really kind of you know, like. You know, mm. well, I'm going to see people walk on water, elevate, right. you know, whoa, what's going to happen here? Are the ghosts going to come in here? Yeah. You know, just trying to be, make yeah. fun of everything. Well, that day they were going out and actually handing out flyers mm. to the neighborhoods. People that were home obviously weren't in charge. Mm. So it was like this thing where they are going to go try and mm-hmm. promote, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Market. Yep. And go out and hand <laughs> these flyers out and give these things out. Well, yep. they had these Wrigley Spearmint gums stuck to these pieces of paper, right? Just okay. a, Just a chewing gum. And they would go and had this box, and they would go up and hand these flyers out. Well, I'm not going up and talking to people about church. Right. Fact is, if I was to walk up to one of their doors, they'd probably call the police. (laughs) Because it was my neighborhood, and I think everybody knew me by now. So here I am carrying the box, and so I said, I'm going to carry the box. And it had all this bubble gum in there, so I'm taking the gum off the paper. (laughs) People going up with the flyers, say, hey, they had this little sting. they would say they had to do with the gum, and they'd hand it to them, and all of a sudden, and the person would go, and they'd look at me and all that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's chewing your gum. It's all right. <laughs> so
0: I remember the exact time it happened. I was walking with the box and I, I was stepping off the curb, I'm literally coming off the curb. And I remember I felt this peace come over me. Mm. I wasn't looking for it, I wasn't asking for it. I mean, a lot of people, you talk about how people talk about mm. faith sometimes, they're saying, well, you got to go out and earth it. And you just, mm. you know, you just, you you know, just bull, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I respect anybody that yeah. has that, it's their opinion. Yeah. But this is what happened to me. Yeah. And as I was stepping off the curb, I felt this remember i had been hugged Mm. remember i don't know what peace is i don't know what comfortable is i don't know what relaxed is Mm. and there i was Mm. in this peace wow happy Mm. and i wasn't doing anything carrying a Mm. box Mm. Mm. and i just and it wasn't long at all but i remember after it happened i felt like i couldn't talk to anybody about it like because it was gay Mm. Like, if mm. I tell somebody, they're going to take advantage of me. Like, wow. I don't want, because, mm. you know, I mean, I had this weird thing about yeah. talking to people about love, yeah. or because, or, or, like I said, I didn't know what that was mm. the, the feeling or the hug, any of that stuff. Yeah. So here I was going in, and I remember I walked into to the youth pastor, and it just came out. I don't even know how it came out. I was like, hey, man, don't take this wrong, but mm. something happened. And he was like, and I remember trying to explain it to him. Man, I just felt free, right? <laughs> at peace, huh. you know. And then he started to come towards me. I remember this, yeah. like, like, like he wanted to embrace me, right? Yeah. You like, don't do that. Whoa.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not that kind of peace. Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like he was doing yeah. that, yeah. right? But exactly. because of my yeah. experience, it was yeah. like whoa.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so
0: for me to try to say that kind of stuff was yeah. really hard. Yeah. And so he said it was the Holy Spirit.
1: Mm-hmm. And of course. What? What is that? Right,
0: right, right. <laughs> um, you know, long story short, got baptized. Wow. And uh, really basically stood in front of the church, told my story That's about what happened crazy. at 10 years old. And I, and listen, remember this, this neighborhood, this church was in my neighborhood. Yeah. So as I'm standing up on this, the this stage telling people what I had felt, all these people are looking at me, and I stole that person's bike, and I broke into that person's (laughs) car, and all these people knew me, right? And here I was standing on stage talking to this congregation Mm -hmm. who looked at me like I was a villain, right? So that was my experience, but I believe this wholeheartedly Mm. that because of that experience, because right after that, I went back into the group home. I wasn't at home. I was on a home visit. Okay. So I went right back into placement. So for... Four years mm. I was right back at to what I normally did because yeah. no one was nurturing me or, yeah. or doing anything for me yeah. but I believe that that seed was planted there because it unconsciously I was searching for that feeling you again so as life was going on I constantly mm. kept saying you know what this is not where I want to be Wow! ended up at the Shamrock Boys Home mm. my last chance mm. and they taught church there oh my gosh Out of all the other homes I went to, there was Mm. no church, and I kept running away from them. They didn't feel right. Wow, 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 they didn't feel right to me. I ended up at the Shamrock Boys home.
1: They taught church
0: there, Wow, man! and I succeeded there. Gosh, brother. Did my faith play into uh, my success? Absolutely yes, for me.
1: Man, that's such a, you got me right there, brother. Because we're both sinners. (laughs) Uh, yeah, saved that's, by the grace of god yes, that goes uh, without saying yeah. right? we're still sinning yeah, right but yeah. the bottom line is and the other thing too i want people to hear too we don't get into faith that much but i just want to cover this it is a personal thing yes. so yours is just a feeling stepping off the curve for some people it's some other thing it's a personal thing that you feel and that you know but i'm so glad you shared that like yeah. I love you, brother. I think you're awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I really, really enjoyed that. I have so many more things I want to ask you. In fact, I want to make a deal with you. Yeah. Will we'll you start getting some of these other ventures going? Let's do this again, okay? I, oh, yeah, We'll absolutely. do another I one. You, yeah. We're yeah. going to get into some of the real business stuff. But well,
0: something tells me, man. Maybe you'll be doing some stuff. So yeah, like, we are.
1: Yeah. We are, brother. I, like, really enjoyed today. Did you all enjoy today? I know yeah, you enjoyed yeah. today. Thank you, Ken, Thank so you, much, brother. Me. And if you enjoyed this today, here's the only thing I ask. This sucker's free. I just want you to review it where you are right now. Leave a good review. Leave a good review, rather. The reason for that is it moves up the rankings. Then people around the world hear this, particularly in third world countries. It has to move up the rankings for them to get access to this powerful man's information and mine as well. So please give it a review. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Max out, everybody.